Hello, little chickies. I hope you are doing well and that you are ready for another story about Jesus. This one is a long one, so here we go. One day, as Jesus was teaching his disciples, a man in the group asked Christ to talk to his brother. Their parents had died, and his brother had all of the money, family money and the family's house. And the man asked Christ to tell his brother that he needed to share it with him. Christ said, Who made me a judge or divider between you two? Then he turned to his disciples and said, Be careful of coveting or being jealous of someone else's things. The goodness or worth of a person's life does not depend on how many things the person has. Then Christ told them a parable that went like this. There was once a rich man who had land that produced a lot of fruits and vegetables and plants for him. He had so many plants after his harvest that he said, What should I do? I have too many plants to keep in my own house. Hmm, this is what I will do. I will will build an even bigger barn to keep all of my fruits and goods in. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have saved so many fruits and vegetables over the years that you can now relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. You won't die anytime soon, so you can afford to sin a little bit now and repent later. But God knew the thoughts of his heart, and he said to him, You are a fool. Tonight you will die, and then what good will your fruits and your goods be to you? This is what happens when a person treasures up things only for themselves and doesn't seek to serve God. Christ then turned to his disciples and said, So now I say to you, don't worry about your life or your possessions or your food. Life is about so much more than material things. God will take care of you. He loves you and will bless those who have faith in him. You should be like servants who wait for their Lord to return from a wedding, so that when the Lord knocks, you will be ready to open the door immediately. You must watch carefully, since he will come at different times in the night. In fact, your Lord already has come, just like it's been written in the scriptures. When he comes again, the servants who are watching and waiting for him will be blessed by the Lord. He will sit them down for dinner and will serve them himself. Christ said, I'm telling you these things so that you can know that I, the Lord, will come like a thief in the night. My coming will be like a man who owns a house. And if he doesn't carefully watch or protect his possessions, then a thief will come at a time that the house owner doesn't know about and will steal his goods and divide them between his friends. And the thieves will say among themselves, Hee hee, if the house owner had known at what time we would come, he would have watched and he wouldn't have let his house be broken into or his things be stolen. 
Jesus then said to his disciples, Listen carefully to me. You need to be ready and watching too, for I will come at a time that you aren't aware of. Then his apostle Peter asked, Lord, are you just talking to us, your disciples, or to all people? And Christ said, I'm speaking to those who the Lord will make rulers over his house to give his children their portion of food at the appropriate time. And his disciples said, Who is the faithful and wise servant? And he said, It's the servant who watches and will be ready to give his portion of food at the appropriate time. The servant who does this will be blessed when the Lord finds him watching and serving instead of sleeping. The Lord will make this righteous servant a ruler over all the Lord has. But listen, there are people who the Lord will consider to be evil servants, who are those who are not found watching for their Lord to return. These are are servants who say in their hearts, Ah, my Lord isn't coming fast enough. And then they will start to hurt their fellow servants and the maidens in the house. And they'll start to eat all the food and drink until they are drunk. The Lord of that servant will show up at a day and time that the servant didn't know about. And he will fire him and cast him out with the unbelievers. The servant who knew what his Lord wanted him to do while he was gone but didn't do it will be beaten with many stripes or whippings. The servant who did not know what his Lord wanted him to do while he was gone, but who sinned, will only be beaten with a few stripes. Those people who have been blessed with much knowledge and many things are expected to develop wisdom and take good care of their relationships and possessions, much more than the people who have been blessed with very little. Well, one day Christ was at a Pharisee's house for dinner on the Sabbath day, and he taught them there through a parable. He said, When you are invited to a wedding, do not sit in the most honored seat, just in case someone even more honored than you shows up, because then you'd be kicked out of your place and be told to sit somewhere less honored. Instead, if you're invited to a wedding, go to the lowest seat, or the seat farthest away from the people being married. This way, the one who invited you can find you and say, friend, you don't belong here so low. Come and sit where you do belong. Whoever thinks himself more important than he really is will be belittled, but whoever is humble will be exalted or brought higher than he thinks he should be. Then Christ turned to the Pharisee whose home they were in and said, Whenever you make a feast and want to invite people, don't invite your friends or your family or your rich neighbors, since you'll you'll likely expect them to pay you back in some way by inviting you to their own homes. Instead, invite all of the poor people, the crippled people, the lame people, and blind people to your feast. You will be so blessed because they can't pay you back, so you will be serving out of your heart with no expectations. And when you are resurrected, you will be paid back with great treasure from Heavenly Father. One of the men listening said, Ah, blessed is the man that will eat bread in heaven someday. Jesus Jesus responded to this with another parable. He said, There was a certain man who held a great feast 
and he invited many to join him. He sent one of his servants out to let those who had been invited know that it was time for the feast. The servant went around saying, Come here, come here, it's time for the feast, everything is ready. But everyone who had been invited to come suddenly had an excuse or a reason why they couldn't come. One man told the servant, Oh, well, I have just bought a piece of land and I need to go see it right now. Please excuse me from coming. Another man said, Oh, I just bought five teams of oxen and I need to go make sure they're all right. Please excuse me from coming. Another man said, Oh, I can't come. I just got married. So the servant returned to his master and told him that everyone invited had some excuse not to be there. This is upsetting to the master of the house, so he told his servant, Quick, go into the streets of the city and invite all the poor and crippled and blind people to my feast. So the servant did that, and the poor and crippled and blind people showed up to the feast. But the servant said to the master, Master, there are still empty seats here at the feast. So the master said, Okay, go into the highways and hedges all around the city and compel everyone there to come into my house so that it can be full of people. I have enough food for them all. But remember, the ones who make excuse, who made excuses and chose not to come to my feast in the first place cannot eat any of my food. That was the end of Christ's parable to the Pharisees. What do you think of it? Who do you think the master was? Who was his servant? What kind of food was he offering his guests? Who were the ones who made excuses not to come? Well, Jesus continued traveling, and he was followed by a great number of people. One day he turned to them all and said, If anyone wants to follow me but loves his or her family so much so that they're afraid to die for my sake, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't take up his cross, like I taught you to a while ago, cannot be my disciple. So decide now in your hearts to do the things that I teach and command you to do. Does anyone who wants to build a tower go ahead and build it without making sure that he has enough money and materials to build it in the first place? If he tried to build it and only got to lay the foundation before running out of materials, all who saw his tower would laugh and mock him, saying, Ha ha, this man began to build his tower but wasn't able to finish. Jesus told his followers this parable to teach them that no one should start following him if they didn't intend to follow him, no matter what happened to them. He continued his parable. What king goes to war against another king without sitting down first to figure out whether or not his army can reasonably fight against the other army? If he can't, he might call it quits even before fighting, asking for peace instead of war since he knows he would lose. It's the same with whoever tries to follow me, but isn't willing to give up everything in order to follow me. That person cannot be my disciple. Then Christ gathered all the publicans and sinners around him to tell them a parable. This upset the scribes and Pharisees, of course, and they said, Ugh, this man hangs out with sinners. Jesus ignored them and began his parable. He said, 
If any one of you had 100 sheep and you lost one of them, wouldn't you leave the 99 other sheep and travel into the wilderness to find the one that was lost? And when you found it, wouldn't you lay it on your shoulders and carry it back rejoicing? And when you got back, wouldn't you call together your family and friends and neighbors saying, Everyone, come celebrate with me because I have found my lost sheep. Well, I tell you that the joy you would feel about finding your lost sheep is just like the joy that heaven feels about one sinner that repents. There's more joy about that one repentant sinner than for the 99 people who never did sin and don't need to repent. Here's another parable Christ said. He said, what if you were a woman who owned 10 pieces of silver? And what if you lost one of those pieces of silver and then lit a candle and cleaned your floors in order to find your lost coin? When you finally found it, wouldn't you call your neighbor saying, Come celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. I tell you that this is like the joy that angels have in God's presence when they celebrate one sinner who repents. Then Jesus shared a third parable about sinning and repenting. This is one of my favorites. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal also means wasteful. Here we go. Once there was an older man who had two sons. This man had a certain amount of property and money that was meant to be divided between his two sons when he died. This is called an inheritance. Well, one of his sons came to him one day and said, Father, I want all of the property and inheritance that is to be mine after you have died. But instead of waiting, I want my inheritance right now. And so the father gave his son his part of his inheritance at that time. A few days later, the son left with his money and inheritance and journeyed into a country far, far away. And while he was there, he wasted his entire inheritance by partying. When he had absolutely no money left, there came a famine in the land And he soon realized that not only was he hungry, but he had no money with which to buy himself food. So he went to a townsperson of that far off country and asked if he could be his servant. The man said yes and sent him into his fields to feed his pigs. This was one of the lowest jobs that a person could have at that time. The son was so hungry that he wanted to eat the pig's food. Can you imagine being that hungry? Well, as the son worked and thought about how hungry he was, he devised a plan. He said to himself, Wait, all of the servants at my father's house have plenty of food to eat. They're over there eating while I'm over here starving. All right, here's my plan. I will go back to my father's house and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I understand that because I left with my inheritance and wasted it away, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Since this is the case, then I ask you to please hire me just like one of your other servants. I will work for a place to sleep and for food to eat and for clothes to wear. 
Well, the son thought that this sounded like a good plan, so he humbled himself and gathered the courage to return to his father's house. As his journey was ending, his father saw him before he even came very close to the house. And do you know what the father did? Do you think he was angry with his son for wasting all of his money and and inheritance? Well, when the watching father saw his son walking towards his house, he felt so much love and compassion in his heart for him that he ran to his son and gave him the biggest hugs and kisses you can imagine. This likely surprised and maybe even confused the son, but he was determined to stick to his plan. So he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am not worthy to be called your son anymore. Do you know how the father responded? He called one of his servants to him and said, Bring out the best coat you can find and put it on my son. Grab a ring to put on his finger and sturdy shoes to put on his feet. Go grab the fat calf and kill it so that we can have a joyous feast tonight. I once thought that my son was dead, but he is back home. He is alive. He was lost and now he is found. And everyone at the house began to feel so joyous and happy that the man's son was home again. Well, the father's oldest older son, the one who had stayed with him and had decided not to waste his inheritance, was working in the fields at the time of his brother's return home. As he returned home from work, he began to hear joyous music, and he saw people at his house dancing, and he didn't know what was going on, so he called one of the servants to him and asked, What's going on? The servant said, Your brother is back home. Your father is so happy that he commanded everyone to make a feast to celebrate your brother's safety and return home. Well, you know what? The older brother became very angry when he heard this. He was so angry that he wouldn't even go into his house. So his father came out to him and said, What's wrong, son? And the son said, Look, for years I have stayed here and worked for you and have served you. I've never disobeyed you or given you any grief, but you've never even had a goat killed for me for a feast for me that I might celebrate with my friends. But as soon as your other son came home, who completely wasted your money by partying in wicked ways, you killed the fatted calf for him. I don't understand. The father came closer to his son and said, Son, you are always and forever will be with me. Everything I have, absolutely everything that I have is also yours. It was important that we should celebrate your brother's return home since he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. How do you think the older brother felt now after talking with his dad? How do you think the other brother felt after being welcomed back into his father's house as a son instead of the slave he was willing to be? Well, after telling his followers this parable of the prodigal son or the wasteful son, Christ told them another parable. He said, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, 
or a man in charge of taking care of the rich man's things. Well, the steward was once accused of wasting the rich man's goods. So the rich man called his steward to him and said, What is this that I hear about you? Tell me about your stewardship and how exactly you took care of my things. If it is as I have heard, then I will fire you from being my steward. Well, the steward said to himself, Oh, what should I do? I have been wasteful. If I'm fired from being a steward, then how can I earn money? I'm not strong enough for hard physical labor, and I would be ashamed to become a homeless beggar. Hmm. I know what I can do to make sure that I will still have a home after I'm fired. So the steward put his idea into action. He called to himself everyone who owed his master money. He asked the first man, How much do you owe my master? And the first man said, A hundred measures of oil. And the steward said, Here, here's your bill. Instead of one hundred, cross it out and write fifty instead. To the second man he asked, How much do you owe my master? And the man said, A hundred measures of wheat. And the steward said, Oh, here, take your bill, cross out 100, and write 80 measures of wheat. Since the steward was doing these debtors favors, he knew that they would help give him housing after he had been fired as a steward and kicked out of his master's house. Do you know what happened? The master actually praised the unjust steward for his wisdom. He was able to take care of his future by making friends with the master's debtors. Christ said of this parable, The children of this world are wiser than the children of light. God's children or the children of light aren't doing much now to prepare a secure future for themselves in God's kingdom by choosing to be faithful. Maybe if you made friends with the children of unrighteousness now, you'd have a place to stay with them for eternity. Remember, if you can prove to Heavenly Father that you're faithful in the small things, then you show him that you can also be faithful in the big things. And those who are unjust in the small things are also unjust in the big things. So if you haven't been faithful in your friendships to the wicked people here now, then do you think that Heavenly Father would trust that you'd be faithful enough to receive true riches in his kingdom? And if you haven't been faithful in taking care of another man's property, then why would anyone give you property of your own? It's impossible for any man to serve two masters at the same time. Either he will love one master while hating the other, or else he will serve one of them more and despise working for the other one. It's impossible to serve both God and mammon at the same time. This means that you can't love both God and riches and the luxuries of this world at the same time. Well, the Pharisees around overheard these teachings and they were covetous, which means that they loved money and were jealous of those who had more money than them. Because of this, they began to make fun of Christ for this parable. Christ said, you are men who try to trick both yourselves and other people into thinking that you are right. But God knows your heart's And what you guys think of as important and worthy is actually an abomination before God. 
The Pharisees said, We have the scriptures and the laws from the prophets, but we will not receive you to be our ruler just because you are judging us. Jesus said, How interesting. The scriptures and the prophets all testify of me, and all the prophets who have ever written scripture, even up until John the Baptist, have prophesied about the days that I would be on the earth. Since prophets began to write, they wrote of the kingdom of God and that everyone who seeks truth would be allowed into God's kingdom. It's easier for heaven and earth to crumble away than for one tiny little law of God to fail. Why do you teach the people the laws from the scriptures and then think that they are lies? Why are you Pharisees upset with me, the one the Father has sent to fulfill the law, that you might all be redeemed? Oh, you fools, you've said even in your hearts that there is no God, and you teach others lies about how to get into God's kingdom. You are mean to the meek and humble followers of God's law, and you are violent in trying to destroy God's kingdom. Misery be unto you, you adulterers. The Pharisees mocked him again since they were angry that he called them adulterers. But Christ did not stop chastising them. He said, Whoever divorces his wife for no reason other than to marry a different wife commits adultery. And whoever marries the woman who was divorced from her husband also commits adultery. Listen to me carefully. I will liken you unto the rich man in this parable I am about to tell you. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in royal purple robes of fine linen, and he ate great feasts every day. Well, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who laid at the rich man's gate, and Lazarus was covered in sores. He was very sick and was so starving that he was willing to eat even the crumbs that fell off the rich man's table. While he laid there, dogs came to lick his sores. Well, one day Lazarus finally died, since the rich man took no notice or care of him, and the angels carried his spirit to be in great father Abraham's bosom. Now, the rich man soon died too, and he was buried, and his spirit was sent to hell. He was so miserable and tormented, and he looked up to God's kingdom and saw Lazarus there with Abraham. He cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to me. Have him dip his finger into a cool pool of water, and then have him drip the water on my tongue to cool me off, for I am tormented in this hellfire. But Abraham said, Oh, son, don't you remember that when you were alive, you possessed many good things? You had a blessed life, and Lazarus was cursed with many evil trials. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And even if this weren't the case, there's a huge gulf or dividing canyon or drop-off in between where we are and where you are, so that you cannot pass from there to here without a certain amount of torment and great repentance. Then the rich man said, I beg of you, Father Abraham, then, that you would send Lazarus in spirit back to earth to my father's house. I have five greedy brothers, 
So please let Lazarus warn them to live a good, generous life on earth so that they won't end up in the same place of torment after they die. And Abraham said, well, they actually have scriptures from Moses and all the other prophets that warn them of the same things. So they can just read the scriptures and be warned. And the rich man said, no, 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 that's not enough. I know that if they were visited by a spirit, then they would believe and repent. And Abraham said, well, if they don't believe in the scriptures or Moses or the other prophets, then they definitely won't be persuaded to repent by a spirit seemingly brought back from the dead. After this parable to the Pharisees, the Lord continued teaching his disciples and emphasized the importance of forgiving others who have sinned against you and repented. The disciples said, Lord, please increase our faith. And Christ said something we've heard before. He said, if you had faith even the size of a tiny mustard seed, you could say to this big tree right here, move yourself and all your roots into the sea to be planted and it would obey you. If you had a servant out plowing your fields or taking care of your animals, would you immediately say to him, your work is done, you can go rest now, when he came inside after finishing his work in the fields? I don't think so. You would probably say, please get my dinner ready and serve it to me, and then you can go eat and drink and rest. <clears throat> Does the master thank the servant or give him extra pay because the servant is doing the duty he agreed to do? Nope. Just like the servant, you are indebted to God to do the things you need to do out of duty to him. You must remember that you can never repay him back for all the blessings he has given you, and therefore you must serve him diligently. Well, one day Christ was traveling from Galilee into Jerusalem, and he passed through a village in Samaria. As Christ was entering the village, he heard ten lepers standing far away, crying out to him and ringing their bells. They cried, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. You might remember that once a leper was cleansed of his sickness, he had to go to the priest to be pronounced clean and worthy to enter back into normal society. So as these ten lepers traveled to see the priests, they were miraculously cleansed of their leprosy. Nine of them continued on to be declared clean by the priest, and only one of them, a Samaritan man, turned back toward Christ and glorified God in a loud voice. He fell down on his knees and thanked Christ for healing him. <clears throat> Jesus looked all around and said, Wait, weren't there ten lepers cleansed? Where are the other nine? They didn't return to give God glory for healing them, except this one Samaritan stranger. So Christ said to the one who had returned, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole, inside and out. One time when the Pharisees demanded that Christ tell them when the kingdom of God should come, Christ said, 
God's kingdom won't come just because people are looking for it. In fact, people won't be able to say, it's over here or it's over there because the kingdom of God is already here. Christ said to his disciples, there will come a day when you will want to see my second coming, but you won't see it. People will say, ah, he's here or ah, he's there, but do not follow them. Just like lightning lights up one part of the sky and gives light to the rest of the sky, so will my second coming be. But first, before my second coming, I must suffer many things and be rejected and killed by the Jews here. The wickedness that was on earth during Noah's day is like the wickedness that's here during my time. Back then, they ate, drank, married many wives, up until the time that Noah entered the ark. And then suddenly the rains and the floods came and destroyed them all. A similar thing happened in the days of Lot. The people in Sodom and Gomorrah ate, drank, they loved money and themselves, and they built huge fancy buildings. But as soon as Lot left Sodom, the sky rained fire and brimstone and destroyed them all. A similar thing will happen right before my second coming. Christ then told them to be faithful and to care more about what he asked them to do than what the world wanted them to do. He taught them that before his second coming, he would gather his saints together before destroying the wickedness on the earth so that the saints could live in peace in a clean and new heaven and earth. Now, here is a very important story from Christ's life. Do you remember his friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary? Well, Lazarus became very, very sick one day. And so his sisters, Martha and Mary, sent word to Christ in Galilee that their brother was dying. When Christ received this word, he said, Oh, the sickness won't lead to death, but it will lead to people glorifying God and me, the Son of God. Now, Jesus loved these three siblings very much, but when he learned that Lazarus was sick, he didn't go to him immediately. In fact, he stayed in the same house for two whole days. Then he said to his disciples, let's travel into Judea, which was where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And his disciples said, wait, the Jews there keep trying to stone you and you're telling us that you want to go back? And Jesus said, Aren't there twelve hours of daylight in a day? If any man works during the day, he won't stumble because he can see. But if a man tries to work at night, he will be clumsy because there is no light. I must finish my father's work while it is still day, and nothing can stop me from accomplishing it. Not even threats of being stoned. Our friend Lazarus is sleeping, so I'm going to visit him so that I can wake him up. And one of his disciples said, wait a second, if he's only sleeping, then he's just fine. And you don't need to go wake him up, right? But Jesus really understood that Lazarus was dead. And his disciples were confused because they just thought he was asleep. So Christ said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you can have further proof to believe in me. One of Jesus' apostles named Thomas 
said to his fellow disciples, Well then, let's go with Christ to Judea. If he's going to be put to death by the Jews there, then we can too. We can die with him. After Jesus arrived at Mary and Martha's house in Bethany, they found that Lazarus had been dead and lying in his grave for four whole days. Since Bethany was close to Jerusalem, many Jews from Jerusalem had traveled to Bethany to comfort Mary and Martha after their brother's death. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she ran to meet him before he got to their house. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, if you ask God for anything, he will give it to you. And Jesus said, your brother will live again. And Martha said, I know, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection that will happen in the last days. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they are dead, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha said, Yes, Lord. I do believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who should come to earth. After she said this, she went and called Mary and said to her quietly, Mary, the Master is here and is calling for you. When Mary heard this, she quickly rose up and ran to Christ. Jesus hadn't quite entered Bethany yet at this point. When the Jews who were in Martha's house saw Mary leave so quickly, they left to follow her, and they thought she was going to Lazarus's grave to cry. When Mary found Christ, she fell at his feet and cried, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. When Christ saw her crying and all the Jews that were with her crying, his spirit and his heart groaned and he felt sad and troubled. He asked them where they had laid Lazarus and they said, follow us and see. And Jesus was so sad that he cried. When the Jews saw this, they said, oh, see how much Jesus loved Lazarus? Some of the Jews there were skeptical and said, couldn't this man who could heal a blind man's eyes have prevented Lazarus's death? Well, Jesus's heart groaned again from sadness as he approached the tomb where Lazarus's body was. He said, roll the stone away from the entrance. This worried Martha. She said, Wait, Lord, at this point, his body is really stinky since he's been dead for four whole days. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe that you should see God's glory? So some men rolled the stone away from the cave or the tomb where Lazarus was laying. And Jesus raised his face towards heaven and prayed, saying, Heavenly Father, I thank thee for hearing me. I know that thou hearest me always, but the people standing around me don't know it. So I said it so that they could believe that you have sent me here. After Jesus finished his prayer, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And you know what? Lazarus's spirit entered back into his body and he walked out of the tomb wrapped all up in his grave clothes. 
His face was covered with a cloth, and Jesus said, Loose the clothes from off of him and let him walk freely. What an amazing miracle! A lot of the Jews that had traveled to Bethany to be with Mary and Martha began to believe that Jesus was the Christ because they had seen this miracle. But there were some who didn't quite believe, and so they ran to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. When the Pharisees heard this, they gathered together their chief priests and said, What should we do? This man is performing many miracles. So if we leave him alone, everyone will start to believe in him. And the Romans will come and strip us of our jobs as religious leaders over the Jews. They'll even destroy our Jewish nation. The high priest that year was named Caiaphas. And he said, You guys, it's super important for us that one person should die in order to save our whole nation. Our people should not be destroyed. You see, he was thinking that they needed to put Christ to death so that their nation would be saved from the Romans' overrule, but he did not understand that it was necessary for Christ to die for all of Heavenly Father's children to save us from being ruled by sin and Satan. Well, from that day on, The Pharisees and priests counseled together about how they could possibly trap and kill Jesus. In fact, they issued a commandment to the Jews stating that if anyone knew where Jesus was, they needed to tell the Pharisees so that the Pharisees could trap him. So after that point, Jesus didn't walk out and about with the Jews anymore, but he kept to more quiet places in the wilderness. The Passover feast and celebration was coming up soon, and a lot of people who were traveling to Jerusalem said to each other, What do you think? Do you think Jesus is going to come to the celebration or not? Well, that is the end of, I think, my longest story about Jesus so far. I hope you enjoyed it, and stay tuned for the next story. Have a good day, little chickies. Bye-bye.